You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Welcome to the new year, and we're going to jump right in with some new gun stuff. Because I know the politics is driving everybody crazy. We're going to get into a little bit of that later because it's just so hard to avoid. And I realized I have not talked about any new cool guns for quite a while. So we're going to jump in and come out with some of the some of the best stuff I could come up with very quickly. And also, not gun-related, but hunting-related, which in this case, if you hunt with guns, this would be something you'd want to know. I have to tell you, in South Carolina... State officials are offering a complimentary lifetime hunting license to those who kill one of 24 tagged coyotes in South Carolina. Now, the South Department, the South Carolina Department of Resources announced Thursday that the reward is part of the state's coyote harvest incentive program. And there are 16 coyotes that have already been tagged and released this year, and another eight released the year after or the year before. Hunters must save the carcass for verification to get the free hunting license. So imagine this. If you're out coyote hunting, you kill one that's been tagged, you can get a complimentary free lifetime South Carolina hunting license. I don't know how much the license costs in South Carolina, but that's got to be a pretty good deal just to go out and kill some uh, predator pests. So if you're hunting coyotes in South Carolina... Save those carcasses. If there's a tag on them, those are the ones that are, are hitting the jackpot there. You get a free lifetime hunting license once they verify. So something to consider. Have fun and get something for free. It's like, you know, it's like playing the lottery and winning. <clears throat> now, here's something that was interesting. I ran across this story a couple of weeks ago, and it seems as if Ruger is taking Smith & Wesson to court. You may wonder what for. I don't know how many of you have seen the new Smith & Wesson 22 rifle. But Smith & Wesson has decided to jump in on the 22 semi-automatic market. Now, they've had various incarnations prior to this, but this one, according to Ruger, was designed specifically to compete with the 1022. In fact, so specifically that they kept a lot of the dimensions the same as in the 1022 rifle. They enabled it to use the same magazines as the 1022 rifle, and why not? The 1022 has been around since I think 1949 or 53, something right around there. It's been around for over 50 years, and is probably one of the most prolific rifles in the country. And the availability of accessories, customization, magazines, all that stuff is just—it is all over the place. So Smith and Wesson thought if we could come out with one of these that would use a lot of the similar parts and still be able to use all the accessories, it would be a hit. And the price is probably about 30 to 40% less than a comparable Ruger. Now, this may change if they gain more of the market share, but this is a perfect way to to jump into the 22 semi-automatic market. Now, the Smith & Wesson version is sold under the Thompson Center rifle, which is one of their subsidiaries. So, But it looks like the receiver, the hammer, the bolt firing pin the trigger is the same length and width as its product is what Ruger is claiming same size has similar locations for safeties bolt locks trigger releases this is what made it adaptable to the aftermarket of the 1022 rifles 
you know, and it seems like a good idea, you would think. I mean, let's get as close as we can and copy the best twenty two rifle in the world, basically. So Ruger said, yeah, yeah, it is the best twenty two rifle in the world, and you can't copy it exactly. In fact, it's a little too close, and we're going to take you to court. Now, I hate to see gun manufacturers fighting amongst themselves, but... Ruger may have a point here. Maybe uh, Smith & Wesson went a little too far in copying their stuff. Mr. B. Yes, sir. Legend Dave has a comment. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't Ruger have had to have gone to patent court or patent something or not not patent the general, but, you know, wouldn't they have had to get, get the rifle patented and wouldn't the patent office have said, whoa, Nelly? Well, that's the thing. They didn't say this yet, but now they're going to approach the patent office and say, we think this is an infringement on our patent rights. You know, the, the patent office doesn't always do thorough searches and check everything quite so carefully. <clears throat> but in this case, it looks like it is so close that there may be an issue. We'll have to see. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. Better in tissue. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I say, I, I would, ha- I hate to see gun manufacturers fighting like that, especially since Smith and Wesson and Ruger are probably the two most well-known American manufacturers as far as the number of guns they sell, and they are two of the only publicly traded companies, as far as I know, as far as weapons go. But Ruger has sold more than eight million ten twenty twos. Oh, was here it is. It was launched in nineteen sixty four. I was off a little bit there. But they've spent over $1.5 million over the last 10 years advertising and marketing the 1022. So, you know, that's something. Ruger has a big investment in this weapon. And it is, to me, it is probably one of the best 22 semi-automatic rifles on the market. They are reliable. They eat anything. And the accessory market is unbelievable for these things. Well, you got to realize, it's been around since 64. So for over 50 years, accessory manufacturers can go, hmm, 50 years worth of rifles out there. These accessories fit a huge number of rifles. Why not? But we'll see. I mean, I'll keep you updated if I run across any more stories on this. But we'll have to see how this goes. So maybe the Thompson Center, Thompson Center 22 may become a collector's item soon. <clears throat> and I don't know how many of you know this, but Smith & Wesson had an issue with a weapon they brought out. I believe it was called an Omega or something like that. And Glock had sued them for patent infringements on their Omega pistol. And they ended up winning that lawsuit, and Smith & Wesson had to discontinue manufacturing of that pistol, and they also had to pay reparations or pay money back to Glock for each one they sold. So this has happened before, and Smith & Wesson has lost the last one. I mean, I understand, you know, they say imitation is the best form of flattery, but in this case, it's also a little bit of stealing there, and you don't want to do that, especially among manufacturers. They get a little upset when you copy their iconic designs. But now here's something Ruger's doing that's on the other side of things. They're bringing out a new weapon. Actually, it's out. I don't know how many of you have seen this. But for the longest time, if you wanted a 5.7 by 28 millimeter FN cartridge chambered in something, you either had it in a rifle, like in, uh, the, I think it's a PS90 was the FN version, or they had various AR-15 uppers you could attach to an AR-15 lower that would fire the 5.7 by 28 cartridge. But until now, the only 5.7 by 28 that was relatively easily accessible was the FN 5.7 pistol. Now, what kept a lot of people from getting into this pistol 
is, first of all, it was somewhat limited in its uses. It's not really considered a great self-defense weapon and not a great hunting weapon, except for maybe smaller game animals or smaller pest animals. But also, it went for between $1,100 and $1,400 on the market. You know, $1,100 was really cheap if you could find one that cheap. But, you know, so you're talking a $1,200, $1,300 pistol here. And it was an amazing gun. It had a very small, thin, light barrel. It was um, held 20 rounds flush fit in the magazine with a polymer frame. It was extremely lightweight. And it was an amazing, amazingly well-designed weapon. In case you can't tell, I fired one of these before, and they are so much fun. So now, until now, that was your only choice. Drop twelve, thirteen hundred bucks on a pistol that fires the five point seven. Now Ruger has come out with their Ruger fifty seven pistol. This is chambered for the five point seven by twenty eight. It also holds twenty rounds flush fit in a magazine in the weapon. So you have 20 rounds, probably at least two mags with the gun. I don't know if it said how many it comes with it. But now, one unique thing about the <clears throat> the FN version is that they have aftermarket magazine extensions and springs that will extend it by t- 10 rounds. So you have 30-round magazines available for the FNs. Now, if somebody comes along and can do this to the Ruger magazines, that would mean you would have a weapon that could hold 30 rounds of 5.7 by 28. Now, the 5.7 is approximately a 22. From what I've been able to find, it's a .224. So it seems like a slightly different diameter than a standard .223, and the bullets are generally a tad shorter and a little lighter than a .223 bullet. They tend to be about 40 grains as opposed to... 55 and up on the 223s. That's because the case is fairly small and you don't want to impede on the powder space that much. Now, the neat thing about these is Ruger has a delayed blowback system in their new gun, so the barrel moves rearward about a quarter inch, which is just long enough to let the projectile leave the barrel and pressures to drop before it opens up and functions and chambers the next round. So, now the neat thing about this, $799 retail. And as most of you know, with Ruger weapons, that's pr- that's full retail. And once the initial demand is satisfied by the people who have to be the first ones to have it, that street price will probably be in the 600 somewhere. So to be able to get one for half the price of an FN, if you've ever interested in one and the price of an FN kept you away, this could be your opportunity to pick up a 5.7 pistol with a 20-round flush-fit magazine from Ruger <clears throat> for half the price. So that's something to consider. Now they've um they've run these guns for a little while now and they seem to be fairly popular and it has a it has a 1911 style safety on it. So consider that. Now I'm not sure I wish someone could correct me on this the 224 projectile. It's capable of extremely fast velocities even in a pistol. And these pistols have to be able to handle rifle caliber pressures. Now, the thing is, these pressures can generate velocities in a pistol of between 1,400 and 1,700 feet per second out of a pistol barrel. And it's only a 4.9-inch pistol barrel, so it's not even that long. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if Ruger Ruger comes out eventually with some other versions of this gun, like maybe add an extra inch to the barrel, which would probably increase that velocity quite a bit. And at some point, if they could get these rounds over 2,000 feet per second out of a pistol, 
that would be an outstanding weapon as far as hydrostatic shock and everything increases greatly when you exceed the 2,000 foot per second mark. So keep in mind, if you're looking for one of these, you have a 20-round magazine fully loaded that takes the gun up to 28.4 ounces. That's less than two pounds for a fully loaded weapon with 20 rounds in it. Empty, it's at 23.5 ounces. Now, the neat thing would be you carry three three magazines full of this. You have 60 rounds of ammo in three mags, and the weight would still be probably under three pounds for everything. It'd be outstanding, and you have a lot of firepower in a very lightweight package. <clears throat> so you'll have to see how this works, but um, I've actually seen a few ranges have this available on their rental counters already, so I'd be curious to see if anybody gets out of there to fire one, see what their uh, impression of this weapon is. But we'll have to see. They're showing about a four-and-a-half-pound trigger pull for this thing, which is pretty reasonable for a semi-automatic weapon. Now, of course, with governments and lawsuits, it could be lighter, and it would probably be easier with a, in the three-pound range. But, you know, in order to satisfy the lawyers, they probably had to bring it up to almost five pounds like that, four-and-a-half to five pounds. So we'll see. But I'm looking forward to shooting one of these. And uh, if you take, if you get a chance, by all means, try it. If you have a 5.7 FN pistol, this would be a nice complement to that. Or, you know, if somebody's been wanting one forever, hasn't been able to buy one, now would be your chance to buy one at half the price of the FN, which turns out actually has about a $1,400 retail. But street price, probably twelve to $1,300. They do discount them some. Well, keep in mind that if you're looking for one, they looks like she's gonna, Ruger's gonna have another hit on their hands with this one. Especially with the high demand that most 5.7s bring. And the neat thing about the 5.7 is they offer, they also offer it in a rifle as well. Like I say, in the FN, uh, PS90 or the ARs. So that would be an interesting way to carry one cartridge in both a rifle and a pistol if you were limited to smaller game. Now, as far as personal defense, I wouldn't consider it the very best choice, but it would certainly work. The original design of the FN 5.7 was to use an armor-piercing style bullet to penetrate penetrate body armor at up to 100 yards, soft body armor. So, you know, now those bullets have since become illegal for sale in the U.S. because you're not allowed to have armor-piercing pistol ammo for sale. And when FN brought out the 5.7 pistol, that almost kind of dried up. You've been unable to get it since then. There is some on the aftermarket. You know, you could pick them up. Uh, people who have bought them and hoarded them still have some of that stuff, I'm sure. <clears throat> but it's more of a collectible thing now. But with that kind of velocity, with a steel core or hardened steel core, that would be an amazing weapon to have. All right, we'll take a look if you get a chance. We're going to be right back after a few minutes. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Good morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a March 
implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us want to give your family our loved one the perfect gift then go online and check out the tornadobodydryer.com i love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower the tornado body dryer is super you'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower Christmas. I'm Patty Levan, owner of Multiland Mortgage Services, Inc. We've partnered with nationally known wholesale lenders throughout the country that offer a wide variety of home loan programs. We can find the right home loan that will suit your financial needs. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Just before we left the, for the break, we were talking about the Ruger 5.7 pistol. Now, that's a $799 retail gun probably running around in the 600s before too long. Now we're getting into something a little bit less expensive. SCCY has announced a sub $350 red dot equipped pistol. This is their CPX. Now, this is going to be out soon, and it's going to come with a Crimson Trace CTS-1500, which is a 3.5 MOA auto-dimming red dot with over 20,000 hours of battery life and a three-year warranty. And this will be mounted on the SCCY's 9mm CPX-1 or CPX-2 and a 380 caliber CPX-3 and CPX-4. So this is, and, and the best thing about these is they have backup sights as well. They have the iron sights also. So you don't have to worry if you don't like the optic, you can always remove it and the iron sights are still on there. But this is going to be a complete package for between $339 and $349. So that's going to be interesting. If you want to break into trying an optic without spending a ton of money or modifying a gun you already have, this might be the way to do it. For under $350, you can buy one of these complete with the red dot already mounted on the weapon or the cutout already done in a quick mount. Now, the only thing about the SCCY that seems to be an issue is the trigger pull tends to be a little heavy running around 9 pounds. So that's something to consider as well. But SCCY is... It's, they're a, a big manufacturer here in the United States. I mean, they haven't done as much as Smith & Wesson or Ruger or even SIG or Kimber. 
but they're close to where Glock was. I mean, Glock put out a hundred and they sold 175,000 weapons last year, while SCCY in 17 put out 150,600 pistols. So they're not, they're not a slouch in the industry. They've, they've had quite a few guns out. And from what I understand, they're fairly reliable. They don't have all the features of some of the more expensive weapons, but this would certainly be an easy way to get in on an introductory way to try a red dot. If you've been hesitant to try one or hesitant to buy one, this may be one way to get into it. 339 349 Now, I don't know if street price will vary too much in those. Usually they always do. So there's a chance to get in at the $300 mark. That would be fantastic. Try the red dot out. See if you like it. You can always upgrade other pistols after you try one. And if you have one of these pistols, it might be good for a home defense weapon once you learn how to use it, especially when your home invader comes into your house without a gun, which happened in Columbus, Indiana. A home invader learned the hard way. Not everyone plans on being a victim. That's right. Sometimes these, eventually these home invaders have got to realize people are not just going to sit idly by, let you come into their home, into their castle, terrorize them, rob them, take advantage of them, terrorize their families. You know, these people, if you have a family, you know there was almost nothing you wouldn't do to protect them, to provide safety and security for them. And most people would not hesitate to maim or kill somebody who is threatening their family. So the Columbus Police Department got a call, and they're looking into a shooting now. This burglar came in with a baseball bat trying to threaten this homeowner. The homeowner, fortunately, was a gun owner and a concealed carry holder, and he decided, if we're going to play baseball, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to use my gun. So he fired several times when the guy threatened him with a bat. It's like, why would you threaten somebody with a bat if you saw he had a gun? I don't even know why you would do that. Apparently, this guy thought he was going to be more intimidating than he was. Instead, he ended up getting shot, which is what should happen to any potential robbers who come in trying to threaten you with a baseball bat when you have a gun. Why not? That would seem like a good idea to me. You know, it's like bringing a knife or a baseball bat to a gunfight. Not the kind of thing you want to do. That's usually a generally that's generally a way to lose very quickly. Unless you sneak up on somebody with a baseball bat, and even then, would you risk it? I would say not. But then again, you got to consider most people who are criminals are not the smartest people in the world. If they were, they probably would not be doing what they do to make it a living or to to try and get money. Now I'm going to get into a couple more things. This is interesting. For those of you who like military-style weapons, the Navy is considering they're going to upgrade the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. Now, for those of you who don't know, the M110 is basically an AR-10 variant that they've been using for quite a while now, and it seems to be working very well. Uh, Anyone who's used the AR systems before know they are they are reliable, they're fast shooting, and when built properly, they can be extremely accurate. And Knight's Armament has been providing these M110s, but now they're going to upgrade the receiver to what they call an M110K1. This is also going to be available in 6.5 Creedmoor versus the the 7.62 by 51 or 308 that's currently on contract. They're claiming this is going to give them, give, provide longer distance shots and increased range for the M110. Now, for those of you who shoot long distance, you know 6.5 Creedmoor is probably, 
It'd probably be one of the most popular long-range cartridges on the market today. It has taken over long-distance shooting by storm. Without going to extreme range, you know, thousands upon thousands of yards, there's probably nothing better than the 6.5 Creedmoor because the ballistic coefficient of this far exceeds the 308. Now, don't get me wrong. 308 is a fantastic cartridge for probably 99% of the shooting, but for that or for 95%, for that 5% who want to get that extra few hundred yards, who want to be able to make 1,000-yard hits all day long with a little bit more consistency and a little less drop, the 6.5 Creedmoor is the way to go. And apparently the Navy agrees. So they're going to get these upgraded 6.5 Creedmoors, and they're going to call these 1,000-meter-plus guns. It also fights wind drift better and increases the effective range by half, is what they're claiming over a standard 308. So we'll have to see. Now, they're saying that the muzzle velocity and trajectory is similar to a 300 Winchester Magnum in similar loadings, that they can get almost the same ballistics of a 300 Win Mag with this 6.5. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be interesting to see. Now, most of you, if you have an AR-10 and you have thought this was a good idea, you can usually get 6.5 millimeter Creedmoor uppers that'll swap right on to AR-10 lowers. The only thing you have to be aware of is with the AR-10 lowers, they are not like a mil-spec or standardized design. Most of them tend to be the DPMS-style uppers and lowers. They seem to be the most popular. However, if you have an older version of an Armor Light, they are a different setup, bottom and tops, than the DPMS. So you have to be careful when you're matching different parts or buying an upper for something that's not precisely, that wasn't designed for it, because there are different configurations of of one of, uh, AR-10s. They're not standardized the way the AR-15 is. So be aware of that if you're looking for a, for a different upper for your AR-10. Now, because I've seen AR-10 uppers in various calibers, like a 243, which is essentially a 6-millimeter 308 cartridge, 308 neck down to a 6 millimeter, which has excellent ballistic coefficient as well. Now, I think the 6.5 is a little more powerful than a 243 because the case is a little bit bigger around and it can gain a little bit more velocity. And because of its popularity, the number of super high efficiency bullets has skyrocketed in recent years. This is, it is taking over long distance shooting by storm. It is an amazing weapon. So consider that. If you have an AR 10, Pick up a 6.5. Put together your own M110K1 system. Sounds like a good idea. So the Navy's doing it, so why not? Now, <clears throat> this was interesting. The Army has just selected three companies to build prototypes of the next-generation squad weapons. These are going to replace the M4s and the M249 saw. They announced August 29th of last year they have selected three companies to develop a prototype weapons that will make... The ground pounders more lethal in the future. That's right. You're going to give the guys who are got boots on the ground some better weapons. I have no issue with that. I don't think we're going to shoot around corners, Dave, but we're going to try. <laughs> I actually thought they had it now. What's that now? I thought they had it now. Oh, sure. Shoot around corners? Yeah. Yes, with a t- curved barrel. No, I, you know, I can't remember what the circumstances I saw the movie, though. But these are just going to be replacements for the stand, for the M4 and the saw. 
So they're gonna. These are more like the standard squad weapons. In case you don't know, saw is a squad automatic weapon. It usually has a box magazine of about 200 rounds. It's it's a lightweight machine gun chambered for the 5.56. Now they're claiming now that the M4 and the saw have a lethal range of about 300 meters. The new rifle and automatic rifle must be able to engage targets out to 600 meters. And this weapon could defeat any body armor, any planned body armor that we know of in the future. So they're trying to give the guys on the ground a little bit of an advantage. So we'll see how that goes. I'm curious to see who submits these weapons. Or Actually, let's see. i got some names here. Da-da-da-da-da. General Dynamics, Tactical Systems, AAI Corporation, Textron Systems, and Sig Sawyer were the three finalists for this. So... These are going to come out with the M4 rifle versions, and we're going to see. This is going to be, they're going to have to supply 53 rifles, 43 squad weapons, and 850,000 rounds of ammo for each test. All right, we're going to be back in a minute. I'll cover a little bit more of this, and then we're going to get into Virginia, because Virginia is blowing up. This is Web Radio. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. Morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon-cutting ceremony, and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project. You can donate at jcvets.org. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Hello, everybody. We are back. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B., and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Just before we left for the break, we are talking about the Army getting ready to get into their new squad automatic weapons and new M4 variants. 
Now, the one thing I mentioned is that they were going to extend the range from around what they call a 300-meter effective range to a 600-meter effective range. Now, you may wonder, how are they going to do that with these new weapons? Well, here's how they're going to do it. These new ones are going to be chambered in a 6.8-millimeter short magnum cartridge, running a bullet of about 140 grains with a muzzle velocity of 3,200 feet per second. This is the same velocity as a 55-grain 5.56 bullet, but running about three times the weight and probably a better ballistic coefficient because these bullets are long, thin. This is... Again, they're moving towards the 6 to 7 millimeter range because they know these have the best ballistic coefficients and these are going to be what is going to be the future of most military weapons. They want the efficiency of a better bullet. Now, of course, this adds a lot of weight to the cartridges that they have to carry. So there's going to be a little tougher time there because the more bullets you carry, the more weight you carry, the harder it is to hump that all day long. But... The bigger bullet is going to give them that X. They say it will double the range or make it 50% more efficient by running these bigger, heavier bullets. What kind of side are they going to put on this weapon? You know, you're talking, I when I was in and at the rifle range or doing um, whenever we'd go out to uh, qualify, you know, there were a lot of guys that couldn't qualify at 300 yards. It seems like a lot of the weapons now, they're running optic sights on them, just red dots, which means you have a dot in the you same plane. The, you can't see the damn red. Oh, dot. they're they're yeah. laser they're laser powered. You can see I'm, them in the I'm broadest daylight. Are, but but still, and again, you know, or if you get them under the wrong weather condition, um, you know, and I the yeah, new the ones. Thing that thought I thought yeah. I, I thought more like instead of the. Laser spot, they may have come up with some kind of scope for it. Yeah, I mean, there are optics too, waterproof scopes and stuff. Usually, one member of a squad will have a magnified optic or a magnifier that he can run. Usually, that's a Trigicon scope, like, like a 4X. They'll have one guy who's considered the marksman of the squad, and he will have a little bit better optic. The rest of the guys will either have iron sights, or a lot of them have the new red dot sights. And these things are incredibly durable. I've seen one that was actually shot by a bullet in the glass right through it, and it was still functioning. So they are extremely durable. They hold up really well. And, you know, that seems to be the future of this. So that would give them a better advantage at these longer distances that they're expecting these guys to qualify for. So, now, talking about the extra weight these guys would have to carry, because these shells are going to be much heavier. They have bigger bullets, almost three times the weight, and they're also going to have heavier cases. Uh, General Dynamics has been developing their 6.8 round with a polymer case, which would help eliminate the extra ammo weight. So, a soldier could carry almost as much 6.8 as he could 5.56 and have the same weight of of ammo, which would be great because that'd give them the advantage of a bigger, heavier bullet and not having to hump the extra weight all day. So we'll have to see how this comes out. This looks like it'll be a really unique situation because now they just adopted the new handgun, the SIG M17 and 18, and now they're going to get into the 6.8 millimeter rounds using a blended metal case that is still lighter than an all brass one in order to save the weight. And when they get done, they're going to run 27 months worth of prototype testing and phasing phasing in until they get to an award contract which will be up to 250,000 weapons 
a combination of rifles and the automatic rifles, and up to 150 million rounds of the 6.8 ammo. So this will become a standard in the military when they adopt it or find out who the winner is going to be. I'm going to follow this closely because I would like to see the performance of some of these 6.8s and see if they're actually going to use something that's already out there because there are some 6.8s out there and I know guys who hunt really like them because they have ballistic coefficients they and they're chambered in a lightweight AR15 platform as opposed to an AR10 which is a little heavier platform so we'll have to see how that goes I'm looking forward to following that pretty closely now we're going to have to go, get into how is the Army going to defend its soldiers. Here they're giving them a better weapon, but what are they going to do to protect them? Well, now they're doing research to create lightweight plastic body armor, which can be used as a base for developing new body armor, advanced combat helmets, ballistic plates, and even combat vehicles. Imagine if you can build armor that's half the weight of steel and armor that they're using now or even ceramic ammo they're finding a lightweight plastic is 14 times stronger and eight times lighter than steel for absorbing the impact of bullets and other projectiles now this could be a huge boom imagine the soldier can carry same amount of ammo with same protection in his armor but have it weigh that much less that's going to make it so much easier to do the long walks, make them so much more effective. They'll have so much more endurance because they won't have to carry these super heavy body armor vests around all day long. Or when they do, they're going to be a whole lot lighter to carry. And once they get this material perfected, it's going to be applied to other things. It'll be applied to uh, rolling vehicles, to helicopters, stuff like that. Now, on another note, it will also be able to use things like making artificial hips or guitar picks. So, you know, we'll have to follow that one, too, and see, because I'd love to see body armor come down and weight a lot. That would be unbelievable, because they've been using Kevlar for many, many years, and it is effective, but it'd be neat if they could find something that was more effective with better better materials that was lighter, because I know weight has always been a huge issue when it comes to body armor, because body armor is something you have to have, but the weight of it makes it uncomfortable to wear especially when you're in working in areas of high heat desert areas and stuff it's very easy to want to go without it so if they can make it lighter it'll be that much better well i know we've talked about it before and i don't know how many of you have been following the situation in virginia but virginia's government has decided they're going to start trying to disarm its citizens it started off by them saying we're going to take all semi-automatic weapons out of civilian hands we're going to pass laws. Recently, Virginia has voted in a Democrat Senate and Congress in their state houses with an already Democratic governor who has been there, and now they're going after guns big time. They haven't even passed any laws yet, but they're drafting bills. And now that the new session has probably started or starting very shortly, they're going to push to get these bills through. And in response... Virginia counties, cities, townships have all passed resolutions saying that they are Second Amendment sanctuary cities, meaning they will not honor any laws passed by the state of Virginia that they feel violate their Second Amendment rights. Okay, then the governor comes back and says, well, or actually it was not the governor, I believe it was somebody who worked for the governor said, well, if you counties or cities are not going to obey the new state laws, we will call out the National Guard and we will force you 
to enforce these laws. We will arrest your sheriffs. We will arrest your deputies. So then the the sheriff said, oh, yeah, we're going to deputize thousands of citizens, which is within their right. They can deputize as many people as they want, being a sheriff of a local county or township. And then other cities and townships started their own militias. They decided to provide training for these people if they ever needed to defend these cities and towns against a tyrannical government who wanted to decide to violate their Second Amendment rights. So it seems like this situation just keeps getting worse and worse. It keeps escalating. And the governments in Virginia are not backing down. They're not changing their tone. They're having more and more inflammatory language thrown in there. They're threatening harder and harder. And the people are standing up and digging in their heels and saying, no, this is not going to happen. In fact, the governor has just announced he is asking for a budget increase of a quarter of a million dollars for the corrections departments. He's anticipating jailing more gun owners and wants to have additional money in the budget to hire more people to be in in the jails because he's anticipating putting more people who violate his gun laws into jail. That's what he's that's what he's claiming. He needs this extra money because they anticipate that people are going to violate their weapons laws and they're going to need to be put in jail. So he wants more people to be put on the staff to be able to man these extra prisoners they're going to have in jail cells. And I just, I don't get it. Why would a government want to start aggravating its people even more and more? Now, Virginia has, I believe, 133 counties, and over 103 of them have already declared themselves sanctuary counties in Virginia. Now, anybody with half a bit of sense is going to realize This cannot be a good way to proceed. Why are you going to inflame the situation? Why not try and be a negotiator, be a diplomat, try and talk to some leaders from these counties and cities? These are your constituents. These are the people who you represent. You don't rule over them. You're not their their ruler. You are their public servant. You are there to serve the people. Now, obviously, these people did not get out and vote because if this many people would have voted for the House, the Senate, for the governor, he probably wouldn't have gotten in. They wouldn't have taken control like this. But the fact that they did, you'd figure anybody in public service would want to serve the people he's he's been voted to provide service to in the best way possible instead of following his own personal public or own personal private agenda that he wants to push through. So we'll see. He's putting in this request for additional members of the correction in the corrections department because he's anticipating more people being jailed for violating his gun laws and for violating extreme risk protection orders, otherwise known as red flag laws. So we'll have to see. This is just it's just getting escalated everywhere you turn. Virginia just coming up and stepping forward and going, you know what? We're going to take guns away from everybody. We don't care how many people don't want us to do it. Now, the Virginia Attorney General has already come forth and said, Second Amendment sanctuaries are illegal. You're not allowed to have these. But by the same token, you're not allowed to take guns away from people. You're not allowed to restrict the right to keep and bear arms. It says specifically, shall not be infringed. Do they not understand the meaning of those words? So hopefully this will not come to a person-to-person conflict, and I hope 
that the people who are chosen to enforce this will realize what they're doing is possibly wrong and the results could be catastrophic. I wouldn't want law enforcement to put their lives in danger, and I wouldn't want the citizens of Virginia to put themselves in danger by having to fight law enforcement. We're supposed to be of the same mind, the same state, the same country. We're supposed to follow the same laws. For one governor to decide he is going to change federal law is ridiculous. And it's happening all over the place, too. I mean, you see people with sanctuary cities for illegal aliens. You see people with sanctuary cities for marijuana. They're just, the federal law is still in place. Now, however you, whatever you believe on any of those issues, that's up to you. You have your right of opinion. The law is still the law, and it is standing. If they change the law, then then you can change. Absolutely. Legalize marijuana. Change immigration laws to allow people to come in easier and faster. Change the way you screen these people. But until you do that, the federal law is still supposed to be the law of the land. It's the one that's supposed to be the final word. Okay, we're going to be right back after a couple of messages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual, family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded, and this is America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about Virginia. Their attorney general said all these sanctuary cities or counties or towns are illegal. Okay, fair enough. So now you have the sheriff's departments who say they're going to not enforce gun laws, breaking the law. But now they're passing another bill. This one is scarier even than that. They are doubling, tripling down on this position of anti-guns. They have a Senate bill number 64. 
which basically would expand the definition of what they're calling illegal paramilitary activities. Now, granted, yeah, you don't want uh, terrorist training camps in your cities and your towns. I understand that. But the way they're rephrasing this, it's going to put almost any kind of weapons training under this illegal paramilitary activity. A person shall be guilty of unlawful paramilitary activities punishable as a Class 5 felony if they teach or demonstrate any other person the use, application, or making of any firearm, explosive or incendiary device, or technique capable of causing injury or death to persons, knowing or having reason to know or intending that such training will be employed for use in or in furtherance of a civil disorder, or assemblies with one or more persons for the purpose of training with, practicing with, or be instructed in the use of any firearm. So they're basically telling you if you train in the use of firearms or you provide training to anybody in use of firearms, you are now violating this new Virginia law of illegal para- paramilitary activities. So basically they're trying to shut down everybody who's providing gun training. Now let's see. One of the biggest providers of gun training, of course, in the United States is the NRA. So this would directly affect any of their training programs and any other private companies who offer handgun training or rifle training to any of its citizens are now going to fall under this new statute. This is ridiculous. Now, they're throwing a few things in there that actually do make sense. Assembles with one or more persons with the intent of intimidating any person or group by drilling, parading, or marching with any firearm, explosive, or incendiary device. Actually, you know, if you're going to intimidate somebody by doing this, mm, that's considered assault. But just the fact that training is going to get you in trouble, if you're providing this training, you're going to be guilty of a Class 5 felony. I mean, so if you run a training center, if you train somebody to use a firearm, you are violating this new Virginia law, which now has not been passed yet. But objecting to tyranny is now illegal in this state. And that reeks of fascism. I don't care who you are. That is by definition. Fascism, communism, that is where this starts. Fascists take control by eliminating any dissent to their positions. And Virginia is just throwing gas on the fire every chance they get. It's like they want this to explode in their faces. I just don't know how this is going to come out. I mean, are they going to start arresting any firearms trainers? who are in the state of Virginia? I mean, this is crazy. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where the, sh- the first shot, quote-unquote, is going to be fired. You know, I'm not saying actual shot of ammunition. I'm saying the actual confrontation, where it's first going to take place. Are they going to go arrest somebody who's running a training center, who's working at a range, training people to use a gun? Are they going to arrest those people? Or are they going to put them in jail? Or maybe... Maybe they're just going to shut down all the training facilities they can without ever having to go after individuals. Because now there's another bill pending. I mean, Virginia is outright trying to become a communist or fascist state. They're trying to shut down any type of opposition to their plan to disarm its citizens. They have a House Bill 567. This is a piece of legislation aiming to shut down any indoor gun range that is not housed in a building that is owned or leased by the state. 
Okay, so you run a gun range, and if you're not in a building that's owned or leased by the state, you are you will be violating this law. You will be running an illegal gun range because you don't run it on state property or state-owned or leased property. Now, what does that tell you? Because most most people don't lease or own, you know, or lease or get property from the government. They have limited access to property. Any business owners that defy this will be subject to a $100,000 fine and potential additional civil penalties. Oh, this is, I mean, they're try- so they're trying to shut down anywhere you can use a gun, trying to shut down the ranges, shut down anybody who trains people to use guns. I mean, they are going after every aspect of the Second Amendment, complete. And I would imagine some of this violates the First Amendment, too, the right to assemble. If you want to assemble and have a discussion about guns or talk about training or talk about use of guns, you'd be violating their new illegal paramilitary activities rule. So this is this is going to get – I'm really curious to see, like I say, where this confrontation is going to happen. Where the first time someone's going to step forward and say, no, I will not comply. And what is, is – is the government going to step forward? Are they going to arrest them? Are the police in that state going to step forward violating Second Amendment rights? Are they going to throw people in jail <clears throat> for offering noncompliance, for offering passive resistance? Are they going to start – are neighbors going to start turning each other in? Are you going to put neighbors against each other? Are people going to start, you know, being very selective who they associate with? Which apparently you need to do anyway, especially with red flag laws becoming prevalent everywhere. If your neighbor doesn't like you and he knows you have a gun, it'd be so easy in most states for him to call, say he's got a gun. I think he's he scares me when he carries it. It's threatening to me in some way. Boom. You're subject to a red flag law. So... If you're in a state where they allow open carry, I probably wouldn't do it anyway because if you offend somebody or scare somebody just by the sight of it, you could put, be putting yourself in a world of hurt and a world of legal trouble because these red flag laws, the way they're doing them, they're prosecuting, taking guns away without any due process. And it's up to you to spend your money, your time, and your effort to reclaim the rights that were that are given to you by the Constitution and not supposed to be taken away without a valid reason. You haven't done anything illegal, and yet you can be held responsible for a red flag law. Now, in Virginia, you could be subject, I imagine, to a red flag law if you're a firearms trainer. If you teach people how to shoot, you're automatically violating these new rules. And now they're trying to shut down firing ranges within Virginia if they're not on state property. Now, you want to bet that they probably would not lease land to somebody or a building to somebody who wanted to run a firing range? So you have to lease the building from the government or the state, but you're not probably. Not, I wouldn't. I would say they probably would not allow leases to anybody who wants to do this. So they're telling basically Virginia is telling people if you're too good at training people in safety, then you're a threat, and we're going to take your business away. Now, of course, this law has not passed yet, but with a a complete Democrat Senate, House, and a governor, I don't see how this is not going to pass. And I just wonder, who is going to be the first person to be subject to this? One of the largest gun ranges in Virginia is actually run by the NRA. So I'm curious to see, is that the first one they're going to go after? It would seem like they shouldn't because they have the most money to defend themselves. They would countersue. They would get money back from the state if they were to go after this one first. Or will they go after some small business owner who's running his indoor range or family-run indoor range 
are they going to shut him down first? It's, I just, you know, I'm really keeping an eye on this because this is going to be a problem. This is going to get out of hand really fast once it starts. People are not going to back down. They're not going to give up their rights. They are not going to submit. They are not going to comply. Americans are known throughout the world as being the hardest fighters, the most fair, the most passionate about their country, their rights, things that are granted to them by the Constitution. They fight for these every day. We have soldiers around the world who fight for other people who don't want to stand up for themselves and fight for their rights. And so I beg you, if you're in Virginia, try and proceed with a cool head. Don't get crazy. Don't be the, in the wrong, especially if you're opposite the government. If the government's coming after you, don't be the first one to start this. Let them start it. All right, I leave that with you. You're listening to Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B., and this is America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.